listening to our New Chapel podcast. We're for people to connect with God and be raised to new life in Christ. Be sure to connect with us at newchapel.com and on social media to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel. Are you ready to get into the Word today? Yeah? Uh, today is a standalone message because I'm a smart pastor and I'm not going to start a series on the first day of the new year. But I knew you were going to be coming. And God gave me a word that I think is really going to affect all of us. It is the new year. And despite what you thought in 2020 that you weren't going to make it, you landed in 2023. Can we just give God praise the fact that you're here, that you landed? And I love the energy of the new year. I love resolutions, even though I know that they don't work. I love uh, this, this potential that is in people's hearts and minds that we can do something new. We can be something new. And here's what it's all about. It's all about opportunity, that God has a next step in front of us. And we have a moment today on January 1st, 2023, to hit the pause button. We've got stuff that have happened before, last year and before, and we're going into a new year, and God is putting in front of this this opportunity, a unique opportunity that he wants us to take advantage of. As I was praying about today's service, God led me to the book of Isaiah. If you have your Bibles, turn there, Isaiah chapter 43, Isaiah 43. Isaiah the prophet is hearing from God, and he says some of the most central and seminal scriptures, it says this, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. We could literally pray and go home on that. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. And then he asked this question, like, do you see what I'm doing? Do you perceive that I'm I'm active, I'm moving in your midst? God is doing a new thing. He says, see it. And church, I think that there are on-ramp moments, if you will, like today, on a new year, on a new day, where God is giving you an opportunity to forget the former things of old. And the Bible is opening up this tension, and the tension is in between the old and the new, the good and the bad. Because when I say the former things, a lot of us in the room, you know, former things, sure, you could think about the last couple of months. Maybe it was great, maybe it was rough. A lot of us, we think about 2022 on a day like today, but when we say the former things, I mean, there might be decades of history that you're rehearsing in your head. Some of it was great. Maybe there was illness along the way or divorce along the way. And as we say the former things, it's easy to go toward the negative, but there are good things. Amen, somebody? In fact, I would say this, in the life of our church, in the life of the people of our church, I heard story after story of God's grace and his mercy and his blessings and his favor and faithfulness and miracles. In fact, if God has done anything in your life in the past year, can we just honor the Lord in this moment? You can do better than that if God's done anything for you. Come on, somebody. And so there are good things that have happened, but, but in kind, there are some tough things that we face. There are tough things that that are some crossroads in our life. We've walked through pain and hurt. We've walked through misunderstanding and offense. We've walked through loss. Some of you are facing a chair that's empty. It wasn't empty last year. And you know what is so savage about the new year is it comes whether you're ready or not. I remember when Kai's mom passed away or when my nephew passed away. It was savage. It's like, I'm not ready to go into a new year. I can't can't leave this one behind. And it comes whether you're ready or not. Tough things. Where are you? We're all in the middle. We're in this like in between these two great things, the tension of the former and the new. And and the Bible gives us this warning that's, that's patched in with thinking about old things, whether it's good or bad. You know what it says? Don't dwell on it. 
If you start dwelling on your past, dwelling on what happened back then, good or bad, it is like quicksand. It will draw you in. You'll start to source your life out of what happened. Some of you, you're living today and you see some of the decline in culture. And you're like, you're longing for the glory years of the 50s, 60s, 70s. You're like, I wish it was simple like it was. You cannot dwell on that. It will paralyze you. It'll make you ineffective in the here and now because you're longing for what was. And so the past is something that that I agree. We should look back at the great things God has done, but you can't live out of that because the past will make you want to frame your whole future out of it. And so the Bible shows us this new thing that God wants to do, and that's you, that's today, that's January 1st. It's the beginning of something brand new, and it's in between you and him. And that tension is there because you know what happened in the past, and even if you're a person that has great expectation for the future, great expectation for the great things that God could do, you don't know exactly what they are going to be. And so the the unknown is sitting there, and it is something that can be troublesome for some people. But this, today, is a unique time and a unique opportunity. It is the moment of choice that you can make today. Isaiah 43, we opened up this tension. God's speaking through the old prophet. This is how that passage ends. It says, forget the former things. Do not dwell in the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. I am making a way in the wilderness. You might have landed in a spot that is disorienting. You don't know what's going on. I don't have a, a grasp on what's happened in my world. I'm, I'm in a spot I never thought I was going to be. I'm lost a little bit. God says, I'm making a way in the midst of all of that. And he says, I'm going to make streams in a wasteland. Maybe you did some dumb stuff and you landed yourself in a wasteland. What the enemy would try to do is to condemn you to a spot where you think, I'm not getting out of it. I deserve it. And the truth of the matter is you may. But on the other end of all of that, God steps in with his grace and his mercy, and he says, oh, I see your wasteland, what you made it, or perhaps what somebody else made it for you. And he says, I'm making streams. I'm bringing my living water. My light's going to flow into that dark spot in your life, and you're going to see my goodness. Despite being in a wasteland, God has provision. Can I hear an amen, church? And so God has done good things, and he wants to do good things, and here's the opportunity. Are you going to leverage this unique opportunity, this moment, this time, January 1st, and make a choice? I love the language that Joshua uses in Joshua 24. He says, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. You know, uh, there's so many things that we cannot control. And I hate that. Anybody else in the room a control head? You just, why can't it go my way? I like things done a proper way. I don't like how people drive. I wish there was some sort of way I could hit them with like a laser tag, laser, and it gave them points on their license. And, you know, just, they should, they should deputize some of us that know how to live. Just a laser, you know, just a laser. That's all I'm saying. And give them points. Like, I hate when things are out of order. I hate when things are in decay, but what I've realized is this, as much as I've had all of my ducks in a row, I have still faced things that were unexpected, that I got bum-rushed in my own life, and I'm sure it's true for you. As organized as you are, as good as you live, or as rough as you may have lived, this is not a stranger to anybody. There's so many things that you cannot control, but you can say, God... I know what happened in the past, and I don't know what's going to happen in my future. But you said you're going to make a way 
in the middle of the wilderness, and I can trust that. I can trust you. And so, God, I am banking on you coming through for me. I don't get it all, but I put my trust in you. Do you understand what I'm saying, everybody? That's a decision. In fact, here's the big concept for today. Write this down. It's decision day. This is your day. That's the unique opportunity. That's the crossroads that you're at. It's decision day. It's your opportunity to say, this is what my year is going to look like. Don't make a resolution. They don't work. But make a decision today. And Between the old and the new, you have it. Now, you might be in here and say, Pastor Joe, I don't even know what I'm looking for. I'm stumbling into church. You are not here by accident. God has you here on purpose for his purpose. He is speaking to you. I believe he's even speaking to you right now about your life, about next steps. I believe it with all of my heart, and it is not by mistake. And and if you're here, you might be at a crossroads, a decision moment, and here's what this decision might be. It might be salvation. You might be in a spot where it's like, I'm here. I don't know why I'm here. I got invited here. And as I'm listening, this is resonating with my heart, but God Almighty brought you here for this reason. You're at a crossroads. And by the way, we've been praying for you for a long time. You're in the right place. We're not a bunch of fakes and phonies. We don't put on like we're all that. In fact, we're not perfect. We are forgiven. And we know the freedom that's on the other end of that decision. Amen, somebody? Maybe you came in here and the decision crossroads that you're at is that you have a weight. There's a weight on you. There's a weight in your life. It's, it's holding you back, and, and it's an area of your life that you know you should have yielded to God, and you haven't. And because of that, it's created this apathy or this lack of passion. And my prayer for you today is by the time that you leave that you would have renewed passion in your walk with God. You remember maybe when you were younger and you accepted Christ and you were on fire, like the old timers would say, God wants to bring you back to that spot to renew the passion of your youth in your heart. Amen, somebody? Maybe it's far more focused. It's a very direct thing, and there is an area, finances, your marriage, your wallet, something like that, and you have to yield that to him. And until you do that, you're not going to have the peace, and you know it, but you're on the edge of decision with all of that today. It's decision day. You came on January 1st. That tells me something about you. You came for a reason, and God wants you to make quality decisions today. Tomorrow on the 2nd, a lot of people are just going to push play on their life, and the next year is just going to be a blur like the last year was. But that's not you. Today, you're going to make quality decisions and take quality steps of faith, and your family tree, should the Lord tarry, will never be the same again. Amen? So what is God speaking to you? What is he speaking to your heart? Because I think it's urgent. I think it's so important that we don't let moments like this pass. It's easy when you come in here and the worship band's going, David's singing. I mean, we all hear on Christmas, he held a note for like 35 minutes, just held it. It's like somewhere in Chicago, a vase was breaking. It was unreal. And Cammie gets up here. My gosh, you sing the house style. You'd be in the corner sucking your thumb. I mean, just the worship band, you know? And you're like, I could do anything. Pastor Joe gets up and you're like, yeah, you're writing it down. How many of y'all wake up on Monday morning sometimes and you're like, What? what did I say that I was going to do? And to give you any confidence in the room, I'm exactly like that. I'm going to tell off on myself a little bit. I don't always wake up and think, thank you, Jesus, hallelujah, come on, angels, sing. Sometimes I just wake up and be like, I feel the devil, (laughs) you know? 
Where's that button on my K cup? Where that button is? I got to hit that button. Come on, you know. I don't feel good. And so you've got to rate down some of these quality decisions because all of the hype, all of the cheerleading, it's not going to be there. You're going to have to have it on lock because these steps, sometimes they come with no feelings at all. They'll produce great things, and that'll produce great feelings. But sometimes the, the first steps can be pretty sour. Sometimes it can be pretty dry when you take these things, and yet it is urgent. And I believe this, you have faced things in the last three years that have been insane. I mean, sociologists are going to be studying what happened from 2020, 2021, 2022 for decades to come. And I don't want to diminish any of the hits that you took in in the last three years or in your life. But listen to me, behind all of it, it is a spiritual battle. You need to know that it is, I'm not diminishing what you went through, but it is spiritual what has happened. The enemy is trying to take us out. You say, well, Pastor Joe, the enemy's not on me. I'm just Joe Schmo. I'm not on his radar. Oh, yes, he is. The Bible says in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 28 that some of the things you face that you just, ah, that's not him. It's the curse of the law. It's the kingdom of darkness knocking at your door. It's knocking at everybody's door. And so you've got to buck up and say, I'm going to make decisions that's going to combat the attack that I'm facing. Say amen. amen. See, the enemy would love to turn the pain in your heart, the offense that you might have just experienced, and turn it into something that has longevity like bitterness. He wants to take discouragement and make you into somebody who's defeated, who's just down and melancholy. I can't, I can't do it anymore. He wants to carve you out. And so he would love it if you were so wounded from 2022 that you dragged that luggage into this new year and just gave up. That's his goal with all of it. God wants to apprehend that, put a line in the sand, and say, not this year. Come on, somebody. So I have great faith in God. And as sure as I am that there is an enemy that's out to eat your lunch, I am sure that the God of Israel will move strongly on behalf of those that are called according to his purpose and who love him. God wants to move mightily in your life. This could be the greatest year, the most significant year of your life, simply because it's the greatest year spiritually. Because you unpack the spiritual thing and God's goodness, that will unpack the good thing that you are looking for. And so, God is who he says he is. His word is true, and we need to be ready to pursue his great promises in our life. And here's what I'm talking about. I'm polished. I like to do things really in order. I like it, guys. I, I, I believe church should be done decently in an order. Amen? But at the same time, I don't want to lose the heart of this church. And that is we could take on hell with a squirt gun. I want God to part red seas of debt in people's lives. I want depressed and broken and discouraged people to get the breath of God so we can see resurrection happen in families. I want dads that are just just checked out, you're lost in your phone, to get off your phone and lead your home. I want moms to be empowered. I want prayer warriors to rise up in this church and change the course of events in Grand Rapids and Western Michigan. And it's going to have to be a decision. You're going to have to begin to see you as that person and get out of your mind that musky old church you used to go to as a kid. Remember the basement there? Smelled all that musky mold. Like, where are they brewing down here? This is weird. Drive a Mack truck through there, not hit anybody. Get it out of your head and say, God, you've called me to great things. And I don't have to take whatever this life throws at me. If the devil knocks at my door, I'm knocking back in Jesus' name. Amen, somebody? And so you can give up and give in or write it down. 
you can give it all to God and you could get going. You could get up off your blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. <laughs> Anybody know that old hymn? Oh, what a foretaste of glory. Get up. Get up. Get going. This is your life. Your life is for living. And I'm not saying that there weren't real hurts and real damages or real losses in the past. Those are in the past, and God has given you this day. And so I want to show this to you in Scripture, and the best story I could think of is in the Old Testament book of 1 Samuel. If you have your Bibles, turn with me there. 1 Samuel chapter 30. It's one of the many stories of David. Now, very interesting about David. David goes through all these wild seasons. He's a kid that's killing giants. He's a pizza delivery man bringing like, food to his brothers on the battlefield. He's anointed to be king. He's not king. He's up. He's down. And, and, and God was faithful and loyal and patient with David and never defined David on his low moment. That's amazing about God. And that tells me something about God. He's not going to define you by the lowest thing you've ever done. In fact, the way he sees you is the way he's called you to be. And he's just trying to reconcile those two things together. And so in this uh, Bible story in 1 Samuel 30, we're not reading about David the shepherd, David the uh, giant killer, or David the king. This is David the fugitive. Saul, the king of Israel, is insecure. He's an intimidated person, and he's trying to kill David, who has been anointed by God to be the next king. He can't just live out his days. He's got to kill this kid because it's an indictment on him. By some means, I have no idea. And so he's after David. And, and, and so David's on the run from Saul. David leaves Israel. He goes and he sets up a camp in a place called Ziglag. We're all going to say that word together. This is an all play. Ziglag. One, two, three. Ziglag. That's the first word on your word of a day calendar at New Chapel. Ziglag. Which is very interesting. Let me tell you why. Fascinating. Ziglag means this, a place of pressing to see what's on the inside. Ziglag. David sets up camp in the place of pressing. And that's where he goes, and that's very prophetic for what it became for him. He's going through a leadership dilemma in his life. Uh, He's trying to get his mighty men together. They're bringing their families along with him when they're camping. And he's trying to go to battle and and is frustrated and trying to chase the enemy. It's kind of like your enemy has a cannon, and so do you, and you're trying to shoot cannonballs out of the air. That's just not the best way to do it. That's where David is. He's he's, he's being defensive of of his own territory, and Saul's trying to kill him. And and so he takes his guys, he gets them together, and he's like, "Let's, let's go out to battle. And, and we're going to go fight these guys. And he goes and he gets them out to battle. He leaves his, his, uh, the wives and the children of all these men. And they go off to battle, and the battle never happens. On the way back from battle, they begin to hear reports that the enemy has gotten into their camp at Ziglag and that it's been devastating. That's where we pick up in 1 Samuel chapter 30. I'm going to start reading in verse 6. When David and his men came to the city, they found it burned with fire and their wives and their sons and daughters taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him raised their voices and wept until they had no more strength to weep. I think that's very apropos because I don't think there's a person in the room, if they were honest, that wouldn't say, I've been there. When I got the news that they were gone, when we lost all of that when, when the divorce was final, when we lost the house, when whatever it was, there's these moments where 
It's so painful that you just weep. And I love that the Bible admits this. In the New Testament, the Bible says Jesus wept. There is nothing wrong with processing emotion as it comes into your life. I say lean into it. Feel it strong. Don't stay there forever, but you got to lean into that and feel it. And, and, and these men are weeping. They think that it's all lost. Their families are lost. And in a moment of honesty, I would tell you that I've been there. I remember when Kaya's mom passed, I'd never cried for so long. And then when my nephew passed away in Christmas break, I was crying while I was sleeping. I, I cried so hard. I don't know if you've ever been here, but there's just nothing more to cry. I'm weeping, and there's nothing that's even going to come out. Just that spot of lowness that can hit. How do you get to that spot? You know, you think you've bottomed out. You think that you took a hit, and you hit rock bottom, but it wasn't. On contraire, another hit came into your life, and you fell down to another bottom. You thought, this is surely, boom, another hit and another, and you get to a spot you never thought you would be in, and you weep. You weep bitterly with all of that. But what do you do when you hit rock bottom? That is a very profound question. This is what it says. Let me continue the story for Samuel 30. David's two wives, and let me just pause here and say, we're going to teach on marriage later in the year. (laughs) Uh, Can all the women just say, one is enough? Can all the men say, one is enough? I think the men were smart. They were a little quieter, but... um, Yikes. David's two wives had also been taken captive, and David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him. And this is not the 2023 version, everybody. This is killing a guy. Because all the people were bitter in their soul, each for his own son and daughter. What happened? Uh, David, in this incredible moment of decision, the guys are facing it, he's facing it, and the guys had seen David come through, And now they're in this place of pressing and and devastation has happened. And the guys begin to turn on David in this moment. They begin to make decisions like, we've seen you come through for us, but this is too much. This is too far. And they're talking about, let's kill him. I'm done with all this junk. Let's make this happen. And and all of their pain turned. It switched. That bitterness, they gave into it. And I just wonder if there's anybody, I mean, don't raise your hand, but did you come to church in that spot? So bitter, like, God, you've come through before, but, like, why this? Why now? Why did I have to look this way? I, I'm this old. I'm grown. I never saw myself do that. I have good news and encouragement before we part ways. First Samuel chapter 30, one of the great crossroads in the Bible. But David, what did he do? He strengthened himself in the Lord his God. And buddy, I'm going to tell you, you're going to face things in this life and small group can get around you and pray for you and you can call the prayer partners. You can come up here and Pastor Eric or Miss Bessie will lay hands on you and pray. But there will come a time in your Christian walk, there ain't time to go to small group, where you will be face-to-face with devastation and you will have to grow to the spot. Put your big boy pants on and strengthen yourself in the Lord. If you are with God long enough, some of your greatest friends will be words. And you'll stand on God's words and his promise, and you will build yourself up. If you are trained properly in this, if you can lean into these things and not be afraid by bad news, but say, God, I'm going to strengthen myself in my low moment. I trust you no matter what happens. And come hell or high water, I'm not turning my back. I'm the one who saved my soul. 
you will have to strengthen yourself in the Lord. Or bitterness and anger and offense and hurt will set in. You'll ascribe evil to God and then you're lost. The evil things that we face, the challenges that we face, God doesn't bring them. But he will leverage all of them. And what a powerful picture. In the face of despair, he recognized that David sees, I can't change the past. And he doesn't know anything about the future. David makes this, 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 this point in his life, this crossroads point. I'm going to strengthen myself in the Lord. What did he do? Look at me. He chose God. What do you do, New Chapel? You choose God. When the bad news comes, you choose him. I'm, I'm not turning my back on him. We need to choose God. And I believe this. You don't have to speak, wait for the altar call. For, hear God. God is speaking today. He's speaking right now. Next steps to some of you. Write them down. God is speaking the, 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 those great plans, the great promise that he has for you. Write those down in real time. Because you might have come in here in a spot where you are ready just to quit. I'm done. I'm checking out. I'm retiring from all this junk. I mean, we feel like that in a blizzard in Michigan, right? I mean, honestly, I go on Zillow. I'm like, what are houses cost in the, in the Florida Keys? I don't know. I have a real heart for the people. Let's plant a church there, you know? You're all laughing, but I say we start Snowbird Church USA. We all fly down there together. Who's with me? Launch team. I got to get back to my message. What was I preaching? I got excited about Florida. The free state of Florida. What? My sermon? Okay. Here's what you have to do, is you have to trust that God will see you through, and you don't need a backup plan for it all. You don't need a bail. I get it. Bad weather's one thing to joke. You don't bail on God in the midst of hardship. We choose him in the midst of it all. I don't know what's going to happen on the outside. I don't know what's going to happen in, in culture and world history. Anybody else learn enough to say I'm not going to predict anymore? Like, I remember I preached a good old message at the beginning of 2020. Man, we're going to have the best year ever. It's like, what in the world, you know? So I'm done predicting, but I know the one who holds my future in his hands, and that is enough for me. And he doesn't want you to quit. He wants to give strength to the person who might have come in here and is ready to quit. Wow. David didn't wait for someone else to strengthen him. David knew that the Lord's strength, his presence, was presently available to him. And so he strengthened himself. Can I put it this way? He made his decision. And you're going to make your decision today. Will you strengthen yourself? Will you approach this next year in a new way? Now, the next part of our message, and and i got to wrap this up, uh, it it speaks a, a real message of faith. And I wrote these points as a declaration of faith. And if you declare these as faith statements in your life, I believe 2023 can be your finest hour. But if you rate them down like poetry and you just go through religious exercise today, you'll probably have a very similar year or a lottery year. could go this way or that way like you might have had in the past. But if you can declare these things in faith, I believe you'll see God move strongly on your behalf, even in the place of pressing. Are you with me, everybody? Number one, write this down. You need to declare this in your heart, that this will be a year of total dependence. Write that down, a year of total dependence. Now, the people that I have drawn at my church are rugged individualists. You are an independent, free-thinking, tough, pull-yourself-up-from-your-bootstraps, strong, boy-named-sue group of people at my church. And if you got that reference, you are my people. 
And in all of your freedom, choose to be dependent on God. Maybe for the first time. I depend on you. I get it. You're free. I'm not trying to step on your toes. Don't listen to me. But become completely dependent on God. I didn't say become dependent on the government. I didn't say become dependent on what other people think about the, the decisions that you make in your life. I don't, I don't think you should be dependent on your abilities alone, but become dependent completely on God. Say amen, somebody. So in the Bible story, David is, is speaking. He strengthened himself with the Lord, and he, he puts a call out. And this is what it says in 1 Samuel 30 and now verse 7. David said to dude the priest, the son of his dad, bring me the ephod. You're laughing at me because you think that you can say the name's different, but you don't know. Bring me the ephod, the Bible says. So Abathar, and if you name your kid Abathar, I won't dedicate him. So Abathar brought the ephod to David. Uh, Very interesting. So David uh, never wore the ephod. That wasn't part of what he would normally do, but he's calling for this like... This, this piece of, of armor, this body gear for the priests. Uh, this is what it looks like. Go ahead and throw up that slide there, guys. Uh, the ephod was actually this breastplate that the priest would wear, and it had 12 stones in the very front of it, precious stones. Maybe some of you ladies have 12 birthstones on a bracelet. Kai's got one of those things. And, and these 12 stones that were in the ephod, think of them not just as little stones like jewelry. Think of them as like little memorials like a statue in a town square that's celebrating the World War veterans, right? These 12 stones represented the 12 tribes of Israel. And it was, it was David, when he got the ephod, it was his way of saying, God, you have been faithful in the past. You've been faithful to these 12 tribes, to your people in the past. You've seen us through hardship before. You made us into a nation despite all odds. And so part of the ephod with the 12 stones is pointing towards honoring God's faithfulness in the past. But there's something about the ephod that you can't see. On the back side of the ephod are two stones. And they're hidden. Nobody sees them but the priest. They're ocular stones. You can take them out and look through them. And it's, it's a symbol. It's a picture of the future. And it's saying it's hidden. We don't know what it is. And if I'm ever going to understand it, I have to see it with the eyes of God. And David says, bring me the ephod. And there's things like baptism. And there's things like coming to church. The rhythms and rhymes in our life where you've got to get into a place, into a spot. Maybe you have a certain chair that you go pray in or that you seek God in or read your Bible in. But you need these set points, these milestones where you can say, God's been faithful in the past. He's going to do it again. Will you just watch my God do it again? David called for the ephod. Fascinating. And what David is saying is this. I may not know what the future holds. I may not be able to control it. Write this down. I can't, but God can. God can do it. God sees it all, and he holds my future in his hands. He will see me through. So you're going to have to ask yourself, can 2023 be your year of dependence on him? You ever been in a situation like that? Guys, this is what this looks like for you, a situation of total dependence. It's when you've tried to fix something at your house to the spot where you've wrecked it a couple times, and you turn to YouTube for the answer, okay? (laughs) Trying to describe something like that, but in your heart, where you're turning to God because you're like, I can't do it. I'm not such a great God over my own life. I need my God to lead me in the ways of truth. And when you do that, here's what's going to happen. It's unexpected. It will be energizing when you do it God's way. 
So you think it's musky old church, we're singing Rock of Ages, I don't know what we're doing, I believe in Jesus because I don't want to go to hell, you know, but this is going to be boring, you know. It's not like that. When you start to trust God and you go on an adventure with him, it's energizing. Isaiah puts it this way, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles, they will run and not grow weary, they will walk and they will not faint. Come on, people over 50. (laughs) It's energizing. How about this? There's 20-somethings in the room right now, and you've been in such a spot of discouragement and depression in your life. It's been so debilitating. You don't want to get out of bed. It's not an age thing, and it's not just an attitude thing. It's when you begin to see the God of Israel will come through for me. When I trust him with a step, I'm telling you, you can run, and this old Baptist boy will start doing laps around New Chapel in Jesus' name. Amen, somebody? That could be your defining verse for 2023, a renewal in your life. Let me give you some practical thoughts about all of that. Uh, The first thing I want to tell you is that we need to get into God's word. Get into God's word. Not just every other day. Get into it every single day. Let his word lead the way. Amen, somebody? Second thing, write it down, let's get to church. Jesus died to build something, and it is his church. I don't know if this has ever been true for you in your entire life, but have you thought of this? For 2023, you have perfect attendance at New Chapel. Give your neighbor a high five. Give your neighbor a high five. They deserve it. Perfect. So keep it up. Hey, when the doors are open, be in the house of God. We're not doing this for holy aerobics. Stand up, sit down. Now we kneel. Here we go. We're doing this so we can get a word from God, everybody. Because this man needs a word from God. And so we're coming to this place. Ultimately, write it down. It's number three is to get closer to him. Why are you reading your Bible? Why are you going to church? I need God in my life. I am not to be trusted without God. <laughs> that should be a New Chapel t-shirt in Jesus' name. Write that down. That's brilliant. I am not... I am not to be trusted without God. I need to get closer to him. Anybody else want more God in your life in this year? Next thing, I got, I got to move on. Number two, write this down. We need to declare that this year will be a year of deep restoration. And we need this bad. We need restoration in our hearts, restoration in relationship, restoration of dreams. Let me give you some encouragement with that. Back to the story of David. They get the ephod, and he's strengthening himself in the Lord. They go off, and they fight the battle. I'm breezing over so much. If you like extra homework, read the whole passage there of 1 Samuel 30 and a little bit past that. But let me pick up. I love this promise, 1 Samuel 30, 18. David recovered all that the Amalekites had taken, and David rescued his wives. Nothing was missing, whether small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything that had been taken. David brought it back. He brought back all of it. David brought back all. Say that word with me, all, one, two, three. All of it. You might be going through it, but do not cast aside your confidence for it has great recompense of reward. You have to stay dogmatic, lean into these hard situations and trust God through all of them and you'll get it all back, everybody. And I love the thought that God can restore things. I love the thought that you can mess them up and God can restore them in his grace. And you can't conceive of the great things that God wants to do in this next year. If God could begin to restore marriages and restore finances and relationships with kids and and loved ones and brothers and sisters, he wants to restore all of those things. 
When we were trying to find a building, we were meeting at a school. We were a mobile church for four years. And uh, they gave us the left foot of fellowship, which is uh, the polite Christian way of kicking you out. And we had just a, a short amount of time to find a place. And I was meeting with a realtor that was largely doing things pro bono. And he showed me different places. And they showed me this place. This is a former Rite Aid. Uh, at the time, a guy had bought it, and uh, he was doing kind of a rich man's version of a restore, Habitat for Humanity restore. So it was filled with junk when it came in. And it was the same junk from the restore, but just more expensive. And that's why his business failed. But that's a whole other sermon. Anyway, as I walked in, I was not impressed. It looked like a nasty old raid aid. There was tile floor. In fact, you can still see the shadowing where it all was. It's actually 14 feet to the top of the deck of the corrugation on our, our ceiling, but they had a drop ceiling in here at 10 feet. So picture below that exit sign, a drop ceiling through all of this place. And I came in and be like, this ain't church. In fact, we were looking at another place. It was right down the way. It's a banquet hall now. Some of you sinners uh, would call it Paunchy Pete's. <laughs> Rayanne just told off on herself. Let's see how old you are, the green apple. Wow, that's a lot. Green apple? That was your first drink, wasn't it? God have mercy. I thought it'd be so cool to buy the green apple, and when you came into our guest services, we'd have decorations up with green apples in it, and only the sinners would know, and me. You know? and, and so I thought it'd be so cool. And so we put an offer on that building, and they said, no, it wasn't enough. And so we put a second offer in on that building, and they said, no, it's not enough. And so finally, we were at an edge where we had to do something, and so we ended up buying this thing. We came in and lifted up the drop saying, I saw how high it was. I said, we'll make it work. We'll make it work. And so we bought it. Well, while we were building this out, we white-boxed it, chipped up all the tile. We built all these things, cut this out of the video, but uh, we ran all the wire for the electricity and, and other wonderful things that we feel qualified to do. And um, <laughs> country boy can survive. And, uh, and, and, and so we landed in here, and while we were building it all out, over at that banquet hall, they put an offer in that was less than our first offer and bought it. And you know what? I thank God that they did. They did a great job over there. It was looking awful. They did a great job. With, I wish them all the success in the world because God had this place for us. You walked in here, it looked nasty. The walls had all kind of 80s graphics on it and like nasty flavor. Everything was dirty. The drop ceiling was all tore back. The lighting was all fluorescent. It looked like General Hospital from 1981 called. It was like, ugh. You walk... But see, it looks like this now. See, because God always had this as a church. And he restored it. He restored it to what he called it to be. I love this scripture in 2 Corinthians. Let me read it for you. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Their old life is gone. The new life has begun. Why does the Bible have to say that? Because when you accept Jesus as your Lord, it's really easy to pull your past into your future. And he's like, I'm done with that. I'm done with that. Hey, we can take the good. We can celebrate some of the wonderful things, the family relationships and some of the fun traditions. Polacks make kielbasa and and the Bevelakers make good pasta and like (laughs) everything in between. Praise God, but you got to leave the baggage in the past. And you've got to become that new person that God has called you to be. Do you see it, everybody? Y'all forgive me for calling you a Polak or not? I don't know. <laughs> Preach a whole message of Polacks hold grudges, I guess. <laughs> Relax, put your stones down. <laughs> I'm trying to tell you God made you new, and you can't bring in that junk from the past anymore. What does it look like? Three things. You need to agree with God's words. One thing to read it every day. You need that. But you need to agree. 
It means that if you have a place that needs restoration in your life, you need to find a Bible verse, a Bible promise to be able to pair with it so you can stand on that promise. Does that make sense? Because there are going to be days that you wake up and you don't feel God at all, right? You're just looking for the K-cup button. And you're going to have to remember that scripture says, and so therefore I'm going to move on. Second thing, write it down. You have to agree that you have a part. So if you need restoration in a relationship, the Bible says as, as much as it depends on you, on you live peaceably with all men. So you might have to call somebody up that you haven't talked to in a long time because you got into it back in the day. Call them up. As much as it depends on you, try to make peace with them. If they won't do it, you can move on with a clean conscience. If, if they'll, maybe they have some things they need to say sorry for too. Give you a great opportunity to get some of that resolve you need. But if you're going to do it, you're going to have to agree that you have a part to play. And third thing, we have to agree that God knows best. God knows what he is doing. He, he knows people's hearts. He knows his plan. And even if he calls you to something hard, on the end of that sacrifice will be a great harvest, a great reward. Amen, somebody? Number three, I got I to gotta wrap this up. Number three, I'm, I'm praying that this year will be a year of divine clarity. Write that down, divine clarity. Now, I wordsmithed that point. I, I, I worked on it. I forged that point for this reason. You don't just need natural clarity. I mean, you need natural clarity, but the government can feed you the lines on how to live your life. You need divine clarity. You need to know in your heart from God that I'm on the right track or I'm doing the the right thing. And I'm praying that 2023 is going to be a year for my church with no confusion. That fog that paralyzes you. Like, I don't know if I'm doing it right. I don't know what my next step is. I want no confusion. And the enemy wants to slip in. How does he do it? He waits for these like moments like today, like it's in between chapters, right? Like we haven't really started 2023. We're not really out of 2022. We are and you aren't. He likes to come into these moments and begin to speak confusion. What is one of the biggest lies he, he wants to bring? That you're disqualified. That you've messed up, you've gone too far, you've missed it, there's too many mistakes, you'll never be good enough, and he wants to say to you, you're disqualified, so don't go to that connect thing, don't serve at that church. If they knew about you, they would, and listen to me, look at me, whether I find out about you or not, God has a plan, and he'll see you through, and you have a spot at the table. I want to share with you a passage from Romans I think can bring freedom to so many people. Romans eleven twenty nine 29, for God's gifts and God's call is, it's irrevocable. It's ir- in other words, you can't go and sin so bad that you sin your way out of God's call for your life. You don't have the strength to do it. In fact, God knew you were going to do it before you ever did do it, and he still called you on the onset. And here's what's even crazier. And for guys like me that I'm a justice guy where it's like, fry them, you know. Here's what God does in his mercy. God doesn't fry you. He'll leverage all the stupid stuff you did for his glory. And you'll start reaching other people who are doing stupid things actively. That's another t-shirt. And, and, and. And you're able to minister to them like you wouldn't have been able to if you would have gone just straight-laced the whole time. He'll leverage all of it, make it blow up in the devil's face, and use it for his glory. Do you see that? The gifts and callings of God are without repentance, King James says. He's not sorry that he gave any one of them to you. And so look at me. Listen to me. Don't quit. Don't give up on him because he's not giving up on you. He has not brought you this far just to dump you. He has great plans for you through it all. Okay. In Ziglag, i got to wrap up the story. 
the enemy pounded David and tried to convince him that he had won. And I'm sure that David felt like giving up, yeah? And David had no way of knowing this, but if you flip just five pages over, this is what it says in 2 Samuel chapter 5. So all the elders of Israel came to the king of Hebron, and King David made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord, and they, here it is, anointed David king over Israel. The enemy was hitting David the hardest on the very edge of him realizing the divine purpose and calling that God had for him. He's hitting him the hardest just before the breakthrough. And that's what happens in our lives. Just when all hell is breaking loose, like what is going on? You think you're at the bottom, but you're, you're thinking of it like this. In reality, you have a paper-thin wall before breakthrough happens and God's promise is on the other side. Can somebody give God praise for his faithfulness through it all? Thank God David didn't give up. And it's true for David. It's true in your life. It's true for this church. This world needs a church that is empowered and on fire like they have never needed a church before. And we're fixing to give it to them. So what are we going to do with all this? Go all in. Don't make this another resolution thing. Lean in. You're going to mess up. Mess up and lean in again. Don't shame yourself out of it. You read your Bible. You be here at church. Don't let your kids ask whether you're coming to church. That's a sign you're not doing it right. Yup, we are going to church unless somebody's in the ER. We're going. It's happening, you know. Like, go all in in 2023. Second thing, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this, but New Chapel Connect. do it. <laughs> Bless God, you need to go through it because you need to belong someplace. You know why so many churches shut down in 2020s because their limp-wristed pastor never expected anything out of the people? I did it that other video. I don't know, but it's 1223 if you're taking medicine. I'm a little over. I've got to wrap these things up earlier. <laughs> Who knows? Go to the New Chapel Connect. Find your gifts and talents. Serve God. He's waiting on you. Last thing I would say is this, is that next week, everybody say next week, it's a new series, What Your Life is Missing. There's things that might be missing in your life, and there's things in the lives of people that you know that they need to hear. It's decision day. You're at a crossroads, my friend. And I'm so happy for it. Because some of you are going to jump onto this and build that dependence on God you're going to pursue a deep restoration in your heart and relationships and you're going to get divine clarity on the next year. I want to pray for you, but before I do, one last quote. It's from Mother Teresa. Yesterday is gone. Tomorrow has not yet come. We have only today. So let us begin. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Heavenly Father, I pray for my people right now that are on a decision day, on a dedication Sunday where they've come and they, they want to pursue you. They want to they see you move in their life. God, I pray that they would hear and receive those crossroad decisions and make them and write them down and have a set point. God, I thank you that as they do, that you honor them. Lord, I thank you for forward motion in their life. Thank you for freedom in the life of people that have been bound from the past. God, I thank you for deliverance from old addictions, old ways of doing things. God, I pray for restoration in families, that the hearts of fathers, even old fathers, will go to their kids. 
hearts of mothers are going to go to their kids. God, I thank you that you show yourself strong this year in these people like never before. God, if there's anyone in the sound of my voice that doesn't know you, help me to find them. In Jesus' name. Heads bowed, eyes closed just for another minute. You're hearing about a God of love. And as I'm preaching, there's something in you, whether you even want to admit it, and it's saying, yep, yep, I agree. That's not you. That's the Holy Spirit. God is drawing you in, and everything about your life has led to this moment. You know that. And I'm not going to sensationalize it, but you know it. The Bible says this, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And that means that when you die, you'll avoid a Christless hell. You'll have an eternity in heaven. But that eternal life doesn't start when you die, my friend. It starts the moment that you accept Christ. So the the freedom that you're looking for, the, the love, the joy, the peace that you desire so much, it can rush in. It's on the other end of stop being the God of your life and give your life to the God that made you. It's at the other end of that. So we're going to give you an opportunity to make that decision. We're going to pray. The Bible says that if you mean it, you'll be saved. Church, I want you to pray this with those that are praying this for the very first time. Pray out loud with me. Pray, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross in my place for my sin so I can be forgiven. You raised him from the dead. This I believe. So with my heart and with these words, I confess Jesus Christ is my Lord. I surrender now. Jesus, I call on you. Come into my life. Forgive my sin. Put your spirit within me. I receive all that you have for me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for making all things new. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, let's give it up for those people that accepted Christ. Come on, somebody. Get louder than that. We pray for you. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine on you. Be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And as you go, preach. We hope that you were encouraged and brought closer to God during this message. You can listen to any of our past messages and series either on this podcast or on newchapel.com slash watch. And be sure to connect with us on Facebook or Instagram to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel.